0: This is the Howie Silbiger show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1877-669-1292.
1: And welcome to the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. My name is Howie Silberger, and the numbers to call again are one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 You call in throughout the entire show. We'll be on until 9 o'clock tonight, uh, taking your calls and talking about some of the stuff that, uh, that's on my mind and hopefully some of the stuff that's on your mind. Uh, just before we get into the show, I have to tell you that... Uh, that's, I, I can't I can't not tell you this. Dennis Prager, the best-selling author, talk show host, lecturer, and the founder and operator of Prager University, will be speaking in Montreal, Canada, and it's it's gonna it's gonna happen it's gonna happen on Wednesday, September 25th at 7:30 p.m. at the Chabad. Zichron Kadoshim on 5215 Westbury Avenue in Montreal. You could buy tickets. Tickets are not very expensive. You could purchase tickets. Tickets are on sale. And uh, you can get the tickets by going to theseminary.crowdchange.co slash 9146. So uh, you, you didn't write that down. I know you didn't. I'm going to post that on, um, on the Howie Silberger show page. So if you want to go see Dennis Prager in Montreal, uh, the information for the Dennis Prager speech in Montreal, Dennis Prager's visit to Montreal, will be on the Howie Silberger show page. You can just click there and um, and uh, you'll uh, you'll see Dennis Prager and uh, and how to get Dennis Prager's how to get tickets to go and see Dennis Prager. I'll put the link up on the Howie Silberger show page. Just go to Facebook.com and click on the Howie Silberger Show page. And there it is. The link's up there. Go see Dennis Prager live in Montreal. Uh, I like Dennis Prager. I've, um, I've always respected Dennis Prager. And uh, I, I like Dennis Prager uh, simply because he tells it like it is. He doesn't sugarcoat it. Prager University videos are straight to the point. They, they, they talk about morality. They talk about religion. And they take it like it is. They tell it like it is. There is no hiding. There is no hiding. Um, when it comes to Dennis Prager and his videos. Uh, and he tells the truth. And I like... And I like when people tell the truth. We try to do that here on the show. And... I like the fact that Dennis Prager does it on YouTube. So, check out Dennis Prager the check out Dennis Prager and uh, the uh, fundraising event that he will be speaking at. Just go to the Howie Silberger Show page. There's a link. Just click on the link, and there you are. We uh, we passed just the other day a anniversary. That wasn't really commemorated. Uh, I didn't see very much about it. A couple of people posted about it on uh, social media. But there were no real major commemorations. There were no real major, um, there were no real major movements to commemorate this. Which, which I think is wrong. And that is the 1972 massacre of the Olympic, Summer Olympic team. The Israeli Summer Olympic team in Munich, West Germany. Now, for those of you who don't know what happened in the uh, summer of 1972, the Olympics were in Munich, West Germany, and a terrorist group called Black September, who called themselves Palestinians, took 11 Israeli Olympic team members hostage and killed them along with a West German police officer. Now, when they attacked and they uh, they they captured the Israeli Olympic team a black spokesman a black September spokesman demanded that 234 prisoners jailed in Israel and West Germany um, founders of the Red Army faction people like Andreas Bader and Urke Minghoff be released black September called the operation Igrit and Bram after two Palestinian Christian villages whose inhabitants were expelled by the Israeli defense forces during the 1948 Arab-Israel war allegedly, Black September took these Israeli Olympic team hostage. And they killed a couple right there, right there in in their bedrooms and the Olympic village in Munich. They murdered a few of them. And the German police showed up. Now, this is 1972, not long after World War II. And here are Germans here in middle of Germany. Germany's trying to recreate themselves after Nazism. And right here in middle of Germany, a bunch of so-called Palestinians grab the Israeli team and more Jews die on German soil. Unfortunately, all the hostages were killed in a botched rescue attempt. The result, the direct result of negotiating with terrorists, Israel bent their policy that they don't negotiate with terrorists. For the first time during the Munich Olympics, they were under a tremendous amount of pressure from the country that they had to save these people. And they broke their cardinal rule that Israel does not negotiate with terrorists. And they negotiated with terrorists, they showed a weakness. And that weakness that they showed during the Munich Olympics has followed Israel right down till today. The Arabs saw weakness and they exploited till today. The snipers failed, the German, the German SWAT team failed, and the Israeli Olympic team, 11 members of it, were murdered. Now, in the wake of the hostage-taking, competition at the Olympics that year was suspended for 34 hours for the first time in modern Olympic history after public criticism of the Olympic Committee's decision to continue the Games. On September 6th, a memorial service attended by 80,000 spectators and 3,000 athletes were held at the Olympic Stadium. The president of the Olympic Installation Committee, Avery Brundage, made little reference to the murdered athletes during a speech praising the strength of the Olympic movement and equating the attack on the Israeli sportsmen with the recent arguments of encroaching professionalism and disallowing Rhodesia's participation in the Games. Many people were outraged. The victims' families were represented by Andre Spitzer's widow Anki, Moshe Weinberger's mother, and a cousin of Weinberger, Carmel Elash. During the memorial service, Elash collapsed and died of a heart attack. Many of the eighty thousand people who filled the Olympic Stadium for West Germany's football match with Hungary carried noisemakers. Away flags, but when several spectators unfurled a flag reading, 17 dead, already forgotten, security officials removed the sign and expelled those responsible from the grounds. The Olympics didn't officially commemorate the dead athletes, the athletes that were murdered while participating in the Olympics until 1999 and an official the first official ceremony held to commemorate the murdered Israeli athletes took place 44 years later in August 2016 because Jewish life is cheap. To the world, Jewish life, Jewish blood means nothing. And we see it over and over and over again that Jewish blood means zero, Nobody cares. The Jews are on their own. I mean, it's, it's, it's scary and sad to say this. And not something that you want to be able to say. Nothing that you want to not be able to say. Nothing that you want to say at all. But it's the truth. And the truth is that, that as a Jew, and if you're Jewish, we should be scared. Because the world does not care about us. The world does not care about our lives. Our lives are cheap. If we are killed, there will be no mourning. Nobody would care. And that to me is a very scary situation. It's not a situation I like to be in. So how do we get the world to start loving Jews? Is there a way to do that? Is there a way to get the world to say Jews as everyone else? I don't think so. Uh, The world, in my opinion, is jealous of the Jews. And that's why they hate the Jews so much. The jealousy factor is the main factor. What are they jealous of? Why would they be jealous of us? Is there a reason? Well, my theory, this has been the theory that I've had for a long time, is that the world is jealous that the Jews have the truth. This is why the world is jealous. Because the truth that the Jews hold. And the truth, of course, is embodied in the Torah, the Jewish Bible. Why else would they create another Bible and then try to kill the people who followed the first one? Why else would they try to steal the message of the chosen people? Why else would they try to wipe out the people who believe in God and Torah? Why else? Now, think about this. The so-called Palestinian people were created in 1964. The purpose of their creation was the ultimate destruction of the State of Israel. That was the only reason the Palestinian people were created the Palestinian Liberation Organization's sole motive, sole raison d'être, as they say in French, sole reason for existing, is, was, and will always be, the destruction of the State of Israel. We could, Israel could, continuously negotiate, come up to peace deals, try to, try to come up with some kind of a peace plan. They could continue to do that, But the end result, the end result will always be failure. Because the Palestinian, that was created in 1964, their sole mission is the eradication of the Jewish state. So, you can negotiate with them and you could make deals with them and they will only see those deals and always see those deals as a continuation, as the beginning of their mission, as a victory for their mission to destroy the state of Israel. First step, they would. And to me, knowing that, Israel doesn't have to appease anyone. Israel should just do what they have to do to end the problem, solve the issue, and move on. If the world doesn't like it, too damn bad. Nobody else seems to care. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Let me remind you that the um, the Chabad Seminary Canada and Chabad Zichron Kadoshim are bringing in Dennis Prager. He's the founder of Prager University at PragerU.com. His topic is going to be happiness is a serious problem. Prager will be speaking in Montreal on Wednesday, September 25th at 7.30 p.m. If you want tickets, tickets are available I put the link up on the Howie Silberger show page on Facebook but I'll give you the I'll give you the web address here anyway. theseminary.crowdchange.co/9146. That is the uh, link to uh, to buy tickets for the Dennis Prager speech here in Montreal. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger show. We are live on truetalkradio.com. Feel free to call in. Number to call, one 669 1292 Mark and Sheldon are away this week. They will be back, though. Uh, Mark will be back in a few weeks. Sheldon will probably be back next week. Uh, they'll be back, but they're away this week. So it's just me and you, and uh, and me and you. So feel free to call in. 1-877-669-1292. one 877 Six six nine one two nine two.
0: I thought Toro was a holy fairy tale, meant for someone else but not for me. Religion wouldn't trap me. I let my freedom ring. found my place Now I'm in yeshiva
2: Special space Never thought I would
0: I found my place (laughs)
2: She pointed out to me And why you pray it all Is hard for me to see When I was in synagogue The feeling I recall Every single word I said Went into the wall Or fell into the ground On the carpet at my feet To be swept away by the janitor to the street This was another soul lost from the very start The only words to say came right from the heart If only you'd had teachers to help you understand Then maybe one day you would take God by the hand Then the Lord Seed on Sinai would be clear, and you'd follow them and realize that the answer is right here. I don't believe in God. He said this was his rule. One time I did, you see, boy was I a fool Life did not appeal to me as an observant Jew God did not answer my prayers, he just did not come through So it must be that there is no God on this world today If there ever was, he's not here now, he must have gone away This was another soul lost from the very start The only words to say came right from the heart If only you'd have teachers to help you understand Then maybe one day God would take you by the hand Then the laws that were received on Sinai Follow them and realize That the answer is right here I'd like to end this song And leave you with some hope But the truth is that these problems Are difficult to cope Friends, the only thing that we can do is hope and pray That the Messiah will arrive soon and show us the right way And all the Jews will stand together when the time has come And say, Hero O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one There are so many souls lost from the very start To help us understand Then maybe one day We would take God by the hand Then the laws that were received On Sinai would be clear And we'd follow them and realize That the answer is right
0: The Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292.
1: The uh, Chabad Seminary of Canada and Chabad Zichron Kadoshim Kedoshim invite you to an evening with noted lecturer, talk show host, and best-selling author, Dennis Prager. He's the founder of Prager University. His topic is going to be happiness is a serious problem. His event information, the event information, when is the event? It's a good question. Thank you for asking. It's on Wednesday, September 25th at 7.30 p.m., it's going to be a Chabad Zichron Kedoshim at 5215 Westbury Avenue. Tickets are not all that expensive. If you, uh, if you want to buy a ticket, admission for adults is $25. Admission for students is $20. We're not talking huge money, and it's going to be an amazing, amazing seminar. Uh, if you don't know who Dennis Prager is, he's talking about the happiness equation. Uh, that will basically be his, um, his topic. And uh, let me share with you. Let me share with you, if you don't know who he is, you've never heard any of his stuff, let me share with you a clip from Dennis Prager's uh, video on the happiness equation. So here's Dennis Prager from PragerU. Here's uh, PragerU's The Happiness Equation.
3: You know, everybody wants to be happy. So why isn't everybody happy? The obvious answer is it's not easy. And one of the single biggest obstacles to being happy is that people naturally compare themselves to other people and assume nearly all of them are happier than they are. This is a big problem. So, how would you like an equation to determine the exact amount of unhappiness in your life? Well, I am here to tell you that I have developed an equation. It is U equals I minus R. U is unhappiness, I is image, and R is reality. The difference between the images you have had for your life and the reality of your life is the amount of unhappiness in your life, which gives you an idea of how powerful images are in hurting us. It's inevitable. Everybody has an image. As you grow up, you imagine what life will be when you get older. I had very, very powerful images, if I may be personal, and it'll help here to be personal because I have gone through this. I imagined that I would be happily married, never divorced, have four perfect children sitting around the table discussing politics and theology uh, every meal. Well, it didn't quite turn out that way. I was divorced. I was divorced with a child. And my kids didn't always want to talk about theology and politics. Sometimes they didn't want to talk at all. Sometimes they wanted to talk about sports or about music that I couldn't stand. Now, I had to realize very early in my life that I would either have to abandon my image or I would be miserable the rest of my life. And this is true for just about everybody. Very few people live out the image that they had assumed their life would follow and become. That's what the midlife crisis in so many people is about, whether it is male or female, especially for men. They reach 35, 45, 55 And then they think, wait a minute, I'm not nearly what I had assumed I would be in terms of accomplishment and achievement. I thought I would be the CEO. I thought I would be a president. I thought I'd be the president of the United States. I thought I would be earning this amount of money. I thought I would be one of the most respected members of my community. And then I would say every man ultimately fails the image that he has had for himself. That's the biggest part of what midlife crisis is about. Images kill people think of anorexia some teenage girls and young women have an image of how they want to look and In some cases they will starve themselves to meet that image This is true for whatever images we have in our life people imagine Family life a certain way they imagine a spouse a certain way they imagine their children a certain way they imagine their job a certain way they imagine a whole host of things And then those images are very often shattered. So what do you do about it? Well, there are two things. One, either develop a new image and enjoy that, or just celebrate the reality that you now have. Maybe the reality you now have is pretty darn good. You don't need an image to ruin it. Because I promise you that that's exactly what the image will do. And that is why U equals I minus R. Unhappiness equals image minus reality. I'm Dennis Prager.
1: And Dennis Prager will be speaking in Montreal in support of Chabad Seminary Canada and Chabad Zichar Kadoshim. Tickets are $25 apiece for adults, $20 for students, and of course uh, you can get your tickets by going to theseminary.crowdchange.co. The seminary.crowdchange.co. I put the link up on the True Talk Radio page, uh, well, no, the Howie Silberger Show page, excuse me, on Facebook. So you just go there and you have the link there. I, uh, I had the fortunate, the fortunate blessing of being able to teach in various high schools over the course of the last few years. And, and to me, that is a blessing. It is a blessing that I have the, uh, the privilege of being in the lives of many young people, uh, of, trying to, of trying to form them and trying to help them uh, figure out the world around them. It, it is a privilege that uh, that, that, these people, that these people, these young people, uh, listen to me and, uh, and respect me. And, and what happens is you, you work in a school and then you leave that school and you go work somewhere else. And you've moved on, but the kids that you were dealing with remember you. And sometimes you end up running into them after you've left the job. And that happened to me this past weekend. That happened to me just yesterday on on Shabbat. I ran into a student that I had not seen in about four years. And he, uh, he was a little hesitant to come over. He kind of checked me out a little bit. And he didn't know if he should come over and say hi, if he shouldn't come over and say hi. Finally, he built up the courage. And he came over and said hi. And we started talking. And he told me what was up with him and how his life was going. And, uh, and it was talking. We were talking almost like we had never stopped talking. It was so comfortable and so natural, the conversation, that the young man even looked at me. He was surprised that he had told me as much as he had told me. And I got to thinking what kind of impact could you have on somebody's life? How does a a, a small conversation, a short conversation, impact somebody? Now, I'll be honest, the this, this student that I spoke to over the, uh, over the weekend, the student I spoke to on Saturday, he wasn't overly involved in anything I was involved with in the school. He wasn't part of any of my clubs and didn't come to any of my groups. We met after we had a short conversation, and we hardly ever spoke after that. We, we spoke occasionally, but it wasn't like he was part of my everyday life at the school. But when he came up to me on Saturday, he said to me, listen, he says, do you remember having this conversation with me? And he described a conversation I had with him. And I said, yes, I remember having that conversation. Because I have a very good memory and I remember most of my conversations. Otherwise, it would have just been a conversation I had with somebody that uh, just blew over and I forgot about. But I tend to remember everything. And in that case there, I remember that conversation very clearly. And he says to me, That conversation changed my life. You gave me advice in that conversation. I had a problem. You helped me solve that problem. And by helping me solve that problem, you helped change my life. Since I never had a chance to thank you, I never had the the, the courage to thank you or a chance to thank you. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for changing my life for the better. My life was unbelievably better after we had that conversation and after the advice that you gave me. Now, I'm not telling you the story to thump my chest because I mean I don't think there's much here to thump my chest on. A 15-year-old boy telling me that, uh, that a conversation I had with him four years ago changed his life. All right, I believe him. But what I do believe, and what I do, what I do believe, and I strongly believe this, is that a conversation with anybody. A kind word a a, a a pat on the back, a compliment can change a life. And we don't do it enough. And we don't we don't compliment. We don't tell people they do a good job enough. We don't compliment people enough. Remember a few years ago there was a um, there was a football player. And he told a story. I was, I was at a speech of his. He's a motivational speaker now. And I always, I'm always wary of these motivational speakers. I'm never, uh, I'm never a big fan of motivational speaking simply because I think that half the stuff they say is false. It's uh, is made up. I mean, I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. But in my mind, half the stuff is made up, so I kind of half listen to them. But here I am. Listening to this man speak. And he's telling this story. And he's speaking in front of a a high school full of children. And he's telling this story. He said that after his football career ended. He ended an injury. He had to retire. He wanted to commit suicide. Wanted to kill himself. He didn't see any reason for living. So one day... He decided to kill himself. And he pulled out the pills that he was going to use to kill himself. And he went and he set everything up. Okay. When he was about to do the fatal act, take the pills thought about for a second and said, one second, before I kill myself, I have to go and see my mother. I have to say goodbye to her first. I can't just kill myself. I have to go and say goodbye to my mom. What will she think if I killed myself and I didn't go and say goodbye to my mom? She would think that it was her fault. I can't let her think that. I have to go and say goodbye to my mom. They got into his car. He lived in. Uh, he lived. Uh, he lived, uh, f- about twenty-five minutes away from his mother. He got into his car and he drove out to his mother's house. And when he got there, she said to him, "Hey, listen. Since you're here, why don't you have dinner?" They so sat down for dinner. They ate together. He told her he loved her. He got into his car and he started driving home. On his way home. He stopped at a red light. And he turned and he looked at the woman across from him in the car next to him, as we all do. And the woman gave him a smile and a a little nod and a smile and, uh, and put her hand up to say hi. And he smiled back. He put his hand up and said hi. And he continued home. He said by the time he got home, He looked at the pills lying on the table and said, I really don't feel like killing myself. People were nice to me. The woman said hello and mom gave me dinner. Maybe it's not a good day to kill myself. He put the pills away. A few days later, he got into depressed again and he decided he was going to kill himself again. So he went... And of course, he couldn't just kill himself. He had to go and say goodbye to his mom again. I mean, the first time it didn't work, but now he had to go and say goodbye to mom again. So he went back to his mother's house. His mother was thrilled to see him. Hey, two days in a world, two days in a row, or two uh, two days in a week—amazing. And he smiled. And she made him dinner. When he finished dinner, he got into the car and he started driving home. And on his way home, he stopped at a gas station. He wanted to buy some drinks and some stuff for for later on. He was going to kill himself that evening before bed. But, you know, before he went to bed, maybe he wanted a snack or something. So he went... And he, uh, he, bought a, uh, he went into the store to buy something. When he got to the cash, he realized that he was short money. So he turned dejected to walk away when the person behind him said, Hey, buddy, I got it. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'll cover you. He couldn't believe it. Here was a guy... Covering for him, paying his bill. He thanked the guy a million times. He says, "Don't worry about it. He says, we've all been there, where we've forgotten money, where we didn't have enough money. We've all been there, and there's no reason not to help somebody out if you can." And he gave him money, and he paid the bill. Well, by the time he got home, he really didn't feel like killing himself anymore. He put the pills away. And so on and so forth. And every single day that he felt that he had to kill himself, that he felt that life was over and there was no reason to live, somebody proved to him that there was a reason to live. You could do the same. We could all be responsible for each other. Whether we're religious, non-religious, we're Jewish, non-Jewish. We're good, we're bad. We all have to be responsible for each other. And a kind word, a clap on the back, a small hug, doing a good deed, could save somebody's life. You could be responsible for saving somebody's life by just being nice to them. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Howie Silberger, this is the Howie Silberger Show. We're heard live right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in. Once again the numbers are one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. That's the number. It's a free call from anywhere in North America or anywhere you'll have a um you have a, a North American number. It's a free call. Uh, I want to remind you, Dennis Prager is coming to Montreal in support of Chabad uh, Seminary Canada and Zichron Kadoshim. Chabad Zichron Kadoshim. Uh, you could hear Dennis Prager. You can go to his speech. The um, the admission is $25 for an adult, $20 for a student. Not overly expensive. The event's taking place on Wednesday, September 25th. For more information, go to the seminary.crowdchange.org co that's uh, the seminary.crowdchange.co slash 9146 the link is on the Howie Silberger show page on Facebook so feel free to go to Facebook look up the Howie Silberger show click like and the link is right there on the page too I'm Howie Silberger this is the Howie Silberger show right here on the True Talk radio network
0: I can still remember how I dreamt of being a billionaire And I knew that if I had my way That I'd be super rich one day And maybe I'd be happy for a while Then luxury would all be mine all day long I'd wine and dine, I'd have it my way. Parties night and day, Cadillac success and fame, I quickly learned to play the game. Happiness was there to buy the day, the music lied. So bye bye, big American lie. I try to buy meaning, there's no meaning to buy. They say drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. It's the big American lie. It's the big American lie. Did you write the book of success and will money buy you? Everybody. The big American lie. Now for ten years I've been on my own, since I came to that wall of stone, it's called the Western Wall. Now have you met the Shabbos Queen, said Mayor Schuster, like a dream, the Torah. American line. He's got MasterCard, American Express, diners, club, visa, but he's all depressed. He's got some money and falling. Big American lie. my name, I got nothing to be ashamed of, got no secrets from you, I came in the world this way, and I'm going out the same, gonna live my life and die as a Jew, as a Jew, as a Jew, I got nothing to apologize to you, I'm a son of Abraham, I believe in the promise. Moses went up on Mount Sinai, Daniel made it through the lion's den. With a little faith in God, they all made it through their troubles, cause a little faith in God will always win. And it's true, and it's true. name, I got nothing to be ashamed of, got no secrets from you, I came in the world this way, and I'm going out the same, gonna live my life and die as as a Jew, as a Jew, as a Jew, I got nothing to apologize
2: to you, I'm a son of Abraham.
0: This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call one 669
1: We're living in a very strange, strange time. Right-wing governments are being elected everywhere, right across the world. Liberalism is being rejected, even though they seem to be the louder of the two ideologies today. If you, look at the, if you look at elected officials, liberalism is being rejected by the mass majority of people. The last vestiges of liberalism is being held onto tightly by the media. And that's why you're hearing so much about liberal ideology and why liberal agenda is being pushed so hard across North America. But liberalism is on its way out. And why? Why do you think liberalism is on its way out? Well, it's, there's a variety of reasons why liberalism is, is dying. One of them is the hypocrisy of liberalism. But when you, when you elect in super-right-wing governments, you also face major problems. For instance, in, in, in Quebec, Canada, they passed a law, the, the new right-wing government of Quebec, Canada, passed a law saying that public officials, public servants, can't wear religious symbols while they're working. And this law is applied to new teachers, new police officers, new judges, and new uh, it was police officers, judges, and teachers. You can't wear a religious symbol while you work. Now, for me, that was a problem. I am a new teacher. I, uh, I recently got my teaching license, and, um, and that would consider me a new teacher, because even though I've been teaching for a long time. I, I'm, I'm considered a new teacher because I just recently got my teaching license, and I haven't been employed with a school board. So I haven't been a public servant And now I have a problem. I can't get a job in a public school because I won't take my keep off. Because I'm not ashamed to be a Jew, and I never will be ashamed to be a Jew. Many, you know, it's amazing. I, um, I've been very public about my dilemma. I ended up taking a job in a, in a religious Jewish school, so the is not an issue at the moment nor will I ever be in a religious Jewish school, but my dilemma is more than the government telling me I can't do something that should be my fundamental right to do. The only people who have told me, Howie, just take it off. Forget about it. Just take it off. Have been Jews. The only people who have told me, Howie, you know, there's no halachic obligation. There's no, there's no religious law that says you have to wear a kippah. And I'm sure if you ask your rabbi, he'll agree with me that there's no real reason for you to be wearing it. So if you want a job in one of these places, just take it off. You got the wrong guy. I will never take it off. I will never take it off when somebody tells me I have to take it off. That is never, ever going to happen. I choose how I want to practice my religion. I choose what I want to wear in the morning and what I want to wear all day long. I am a grown individual, professional person. As a professional, it is inherently insulting for the government to say that because I wear a religious symbol, because I wear a piece of cloth on my head, that I am unable to control my religious beliefs and my religious dogma, and that standing in front of a classroom full of children, I'm going to shove my religion down their throats. It's insulting. Either I'm a professional or I'm not a professional. If I'm not a professional, take my license away. Don't license me. If you're going to license me, then you have to trust me. The license means trust. And trust means that no matter what I'm wearing, I will do my job, which is to teach the curriculum of the school. Now, many people have told me, look, Howie, you know, know, they don't really care about the kippahs. They care more about the hijabs and and the Muslim wear. And that's irrelevant to me. You go after the Muslims, you're going after me. You go after the Christians, you're going after me. You go after the Sikhs, you're going after me. There's no difference between them and me. Because it starts with me, it ends with them. It starts with them, it ends with me. When you start passing racist, xenophobic laws, it's irrelevant who gets hit first. In this case here, everyone got hit at the same time. But in general, it's irrelevant who gets hit first. Because if one gets hit, you all get hit. And I'm never, ever going to be that Jew with trembling knees who rips my Jewish symbol off my head because some government told me to do that. You want it off my head, you come take it off. I wish there were more Jews like that. Howie Silberger, this is the Howie Silberger Show. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. And uh, we will be back again next Sunday. Uh, Sheldon Freed should be back next Sunday. Mark David's off for a few more weeks, but uh, he should be back just after the holidays. Uh, just a reminder, after the holidays, we are rever- we are moving to a three-day-a-week schedule. I will give you more information on that as we get closer to it. And uh, I just want to remind you that Dennis Prager will be speaking in Montreal in support of Chabad Seminary in, Kana- uh, this Chabad Seminary in Canada and Chabad Zichron Kedoshim. The admission is $25 for adults, $20 for students. You could you could be there. You could get all the ticket information and all the other information you want to get by going to the theseminary.crowdchange.co and uh, it'll be right there. Uh, If you can't remember or you didn't write down that web address, don't fret, don't get upset, don't get excited. It's right there on the Howie Silberger Show page on Facebook. Until next week, I bid you a great week, and and, uh, have a good one, really. Because uh, if you don't have a good week, then what's the point in living, right?
0: beach and I wear it to crane I wear it in a rhythm I wear it in a tune I wear it on my mama's porch and I wear it silver spoon I got my yarmulke on my mind I wear my yarmulke all the time It's like a helmet, no soldier would miss. Hey, that's not spaghetti, that's my senses. Who got the yarmulke on the mind? I got the yarmulke all the time. Who got the yarmulke on the mind? I said, I got the yarmulke on my mind. I said, who with the yarmulke all the time? I said, I with the yarmulke all the time. Say say I'm hoping when I eat it all. I say I got it when I drink it all. Say Shema when I sleep it up. I say mother honey when I wake it up. Say <laughs> I'm when I eat.
1: This is True Talk Radio, the only place to be.